Hi, this is Stephen Krein. I'm here with my partner, Dan Sullivan, for the Free Zone Frontier podcast. How are you, Dan? I'm great, great, Steve. And I'm where I was when we last talked, and you're where you were when we last talked. Everybody's where they were the last time we talked. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. And I'm excited to do this part two of our discussion around the Scary Times manual and the Scary Times strategies. We had gotten through eight of the 10 strategies for the discussion, so we'll wrap up with the two last ones. I want to go over the first eight ones just for those who might not have listened to the last one in a couple weeks. But for me, what I really want to dig into is what you've learned over the last three or four weeks seeing the Scary Times manual once again, 20 years from when it was first created, take hold and both be implemented and put into practice. But before we do, let me just go over the first eight and then we can kind of pick up with nine and 10. Does that work for you? Sure. Thanks, Steve. All right. So number one, forget about yourself, focus on others. Number two is forget about your commodity, focus on relationships. Number three was forget about the sale, focus on creating value. Number four was forget about your losses, focus on your opportunities. Number five was forget about your difficulties, focus on your progress. Number six was forget about your future, focus on today. Number seven was forget about who you were, focus on who you can be. And number eight was forget about events, focus on your responses. And before we pick up at nine and 10, you've seen all of these either be put into practice or attempted to be put into practice over the last three or four weeks as we're kind of recording this in mid-April. So for depending on uh, how long you've been either quarantined or kind of hunkered down, it's been somewhere between three and six weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, Steve, you and I live in a kind of special world, and we live in a world where entrepreneurs are the majority. My feeling is that entrepreneurs have gotten accustomed to living with scary times throughout their entrepreneurial career. But generally, their scary times are lonely scary times. You know, it's cash flow, it's particular issues they're having in their business, particular issues. And actually, most of the entrepreneurs are kind of enjoying actually having company during scary times. (laughs) And the other thing, if you go back 20 years when the 9-11 was the scary times, and this was something that got written within a couple of weeks after scary times for actually a special meeting in New York City for our New York clients, and you were there. I remember it well. You were there. That the means of communication, of course, are, uh, I don't know, a million times better than they were 20 years ago. So the ability to communicate virtually has made things a lot easier this time. And, you know, we've grown as a company. I've grown as an entrepreneur in my use of scary times. But I would say that a lot of the scary times without me realizing kind of made its way into the program over the last 20 years. In other words, we don't have the 10 strategies anywhere, but there's just a lot of tools that we have in Strategic Coach, which presume that you have scary times attitudes, that you have scary times mindsets. So I just got off a call prior to our coming on together here, Steve, with four of the Free Zone program, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the top. And this was Tony Caldwell and Anad from Mumbai and India and 
Chip Mock from Detroit and a new person, Steve Kreisberg, who just joined Freezone. He's from Oregon. They were all talking about how they've actually used the last four weeks to expand their ambitions, that their ambitions for the new normal that's going to come after the scary times, these ambitions are a lot bigger than they were when they went into the scary times. So that's probably a different kind of conversation, you know, that you might hear in other places. And my ambitions have gone bigger, too. I've got specific ways my ambitions have gone a lot bigger. You know, it's interesting because I've seen almost in a matter of weeks, it seems like a decade or two of what people used to think was going to be really far off, at least for our community of entrepreneurs working on healthcare transformation, healthcare innovation. We've seen what people expected to be another decade or two away from achieving kind of come into focus almost immediately and condensed into today. And so that requires almost a recontextualization of goals and ambition around what needs to be achieved. So we've seen regulatory environment change overnight, whether it's being able to practice across state lines or FDA regulation or other things that seemed either impossible or very far off from having it being able to be a possible being achieved. We've seen sales cycles, we've seen solutions being needed on the front lines, and all red tape kind of removed from getting there. And so it's been really interesting to see how, you're right, entrepreneurs are almost, you know, always living in scary times. But now the rest of the world is too. Mm -hmm. And so I have seen the entrepreneurs in my world, be able to respond much differently than everybody else. So, you know, these strategies that you outlined 20 plus years ago, you know, really extraordinary from the perspective of how timeless they are. Each one of them, like you said, even if they're not explicit in what you're doing with the strategy, they play out. So these last two strategies that we didn't review yet that I want to touch on, I think get to very much that issue, which is number nine, forgetting about what's missing, focus on what's available. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that one? Well, you know, first of all, key to being a, you know, a really successful business person, uh, you know, an entrepreneur is that you just take what you have and you make it more valuable. You, you know, you take the usefulness of people and you make them more valuable. You take the usefulness of technology and you make them better. And my feeling is that that's repeatable every time you make a jump in terms of productivity, in terms of profitability, you get to play the game over again. It's a bit like Groundhog Day, except every day in Groundhog Day, it gets better. Okay, but there's a repetition that you're able to do. So the first thing that we did is that we went after two things in our company. One was teamwork. The other one was technology, because these are both multipliers. And if you can get them in sync with each other, you get more than a doubling, you get a tripling. So, you know, like everyone else did, Steve, your company, every other entrepreneurial company, the first thing is that we had to go virtual backstage. So, you know, it took us about two, three days. We have over 100 team members who are spread out over eight time zones from London, England on the east to LA on the west. And so we had to get everybody settled. And then we had to go through a real fast period where we say, 
ordinarily there are people coming to live workshops in Los Angeles, Chicago, Toronto, and London, but they aren't going to be over probably the next two and a half months. So we had to do some thinking how we were going to do it. We couldn't put on eight-hour virtual workshops because I had tested, and I said, you know, nobody's going to sit there for eight hours, I have to tell you. So we hit upon two hours that you have a very, very significant, very concentrated session where Zoom, fortunately, has really arrived on the scene with very good capabilities and the ability to take a large group of people and then break it down into groups of threes and fours and have that be a very meaningful 15 or 20 minutes and then people come back and share And you can do a two-hour where you do that twice in two hours, and that seems to work. You know, it's really great. You can send them PDFs beforehand. You can send them audios. You can send them videos. I would say that the usefulness of those two-hour sessions is probably equal to four hours of in-person time. You know, people are much more constant. And you really notice when people aren't there, you know, like they're showing up, but they're not actually there. I mean, people's attention is much more observable on Zoom than it is in real time, you know. So there's all sorts of, I'm keeping a track of what seems to be different, what seems to be the same, what seems to be better. You know, I haven't put it all together because I don't have a topic for it yet, but it's very, very interesting. What about you, Steve? I mean, similarly, you know, we've always done on the backstage of had a virtual operation. We have companies in 25 countries, and so we've always relied on Zoom to host workshops and sessions, very short ones like you're talking about, two hours exactly. But what we found was we've had office hours available for our companies for the last seven years, eight years, available twice a week, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, Tuesdays and Thursdays for an hour. And quite frankly, I was on the first couple and then our team was running them and a few people would show up to kind of have questions answered or connect. And we decided four weeks ago to really lean into or re-lean into, I should say, office hours as an opportunity for really everybody to really connect on a more regular basis, starting with us who are leading the company, really guiding conversation a little bit like you described with both a PDF, with a topic, with an expert. We've had anywhere from, I'd say on the low end, 50 companies, low end 50 companies to over 110 on each one of them over the past four weeks, and we do them twice a week. But what's really fascinating is there's a little chat feature built into Zoom that is also, I think, complementary to the verbal or visual conversations going on on video. And the collaboration that's been happening on the chat in these office hours, which I don't want to call them having throwaways. They're always a valuable feature thing that we offer to our companies, but these are now so well attended that the take-home value for everybody attending is so much greater. And so we now have these one-hour calls twice a week. You know, I told you how many people are on, but there are, for almost every single one of them, take-home collaborations. I just learned on Friday that there is a new collaboration between two of our companies coming together because they learned about each other Mm -hmm. in the dialogue that was happening on the call, and they're going to be explaining their collaboration on tomorrow's call. But in healthcare. When companies are from all over the world, there's ideas being developed and even created in different environments. And so when you take a, I know you love to call us the world's largest 
R&D lab for health innovation. When you take entrepreneurs working on health innovation from all over the world and put them together for an hour, somewhat in an unstructured format, right? We have a guiding topic or a guiding expert, but there's a lot of really open discussion able to take place. Nobody's really talking about what's missing. It's all about what everyone's yeah. doing and they're finding a great deal of inspiration from each other. There's a sort of a line down the middle of each of our 10 strategies for scary times. And you could say that the mindset of the person is either a scarcity mindset or abundance mindset. They're a pessimistic person or they're an optimistic person or they're a creator or they're a complainer, you know, but you're starting to get a nice slice of just where people line up, you know, in their lives. Are they a taker or are they a contributor, you know? And for some reason, I think during scary times, the division is much sharper. You know, the contrast is much clearer of how this person comes across. Chris Voss, who's now yep. running his own company. I love spending time with him at the Free Zone event in February. Yeah, and his whole point that people don't rise to the occasion, they actually default to how prepared they were for something unexpected to happen. And my feeling is that entrepreneurs are probably in the premium class for being used to unexpected things happening and knowing how to respond. And the ones who have negative attitudes get wiped out. They get wiped out long before a yeah. big event like this happens. You know, you've got to be someone who just takes a look at the cards that you have. You can win with any hand. It's not a function of the deal. It's a function of the skill. Well, it's interesting because that's actually a perfect lead into strategy number 10. Forget about your complaints. Focus on your gratitude. Wow, have I learned a lot about not only entrepreneurs in my world, both friends and in startup health, but it's really amazing to see how many people spend time and energy complaining about whether it's the government's response to quarantining, whether it's the different policies that are either being implemented or not being implemented versus those that are just spending every day being productive and okay. focusing on what they can control. Yeah, well, I don't know what it is. I mean, I grew up, and I know you did, Steve. I grew up with there was enough, but there wasn't more than enough from a financial standpoint. You know, I never had a feeling of lack when I was growing up, but I learned later that I have siblings who did, and they were ashamed of it, and they were embarrassed by it. But they're ashamed and embarrassed today about other things. So it's, you know, it wasn't about anything happening outside of themselves. It's just a function of, you know, how they approach it. But, you know, I read history. I'm very interested in geopolitics. And, you know, I mean, if you live where we live, I live in Toronto, you live in New York City, you got good health and you got a reasonably good brain and everything. Boy, I have to tell you, there's not much to complain about these days. You know, vis-a-vis history, vis-a-vis the way you know, things were historically. So, you know, gratitude is the ultimate sanitizer that if in your brain you have gratitude towards something, it's virtually impossible for you to have any kind of negative thought or negative feeling towards anything, you know. I appreciate Babs, you appreciate Rebecca and your children and everything else. I just appreciate everything. And... I've just noticed I get up today 
and I was doing it because I'm actually going deep on each of the strategies. So I'm creating podcasts, you know, 45-minute podcasts. And With Shannon, I've been listening to them. They're fantastic. So the next quarterly book, we already started it. So Hamish and I were doing strategy number four this morning. And I said, you know, we're doing the podcasts anyway. They can be transcribed and they can be put into print form. But the thing that I'm thinking here, Steve, and I'd just like to get your thoughts on this, I'm taking people who have been valuable to me, but in my mind, they're even more valuable than I thought they were. And I'm trying to communicate this on a continual basis, you know, like, boy, oh boy, have people come through. And I mean, you're holding together a global organization. There's a lot of quiet capabilities in your system that make that possible. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about you described the impact in your mind, because we've been building this global army of entrepreneurs who are committed to help moonshots for the last, you know, eight or nine years. And there's been a little bit of potential echo chamber for a while there where you feel like you're just talking to the industry and you're just talking to the same people. And while you're attracting a larger and larger community of people who are beating the drum about innovation needs to come, you know, telemedicine, digital health use data to be more precise with your prescriptions, et cetera. There was this quote that I loved that I heard Lennon made, which is there are decades where nothing happens and then there are weeks where decades happen. I feel like that's exactly true to where we are today. And the people inside of our global army and, you know, there's 300 plus companies in 25 countries, but there are certain of them that are completely mobilized to either reimagine what they were doing or pick one of the things that they were doing and going deep. And there are those that are paralyzed. And it's really interesting to see how when the time comes, who's ready to kind of lean in and make things happen. I'm really struck by your three Ps that you were talking about one of your podcasts with Shannon, because it was about this decision every morning when you wake up on how you're going to not only conduct your day, but think throughout the day. Can you touch on those three Ps? Because I think they touch on exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and they kind of encapsulate all 10 strategies in three words, because the first thing is I'm just going to be present. And I was thinking about it on Saturday because I make a trip into the shopping district every Saturday. I got my mask on, I got my gloves on, you know, I'm going to... And Canadians really follow the rules. I have to tell you, Canadians, they follow the rules in normal times and they double down on the rules in the scary <laughs> times. But I was outside a gourmet. There's a particular gourmet store. You know, it's a gourmet shopping store. But they have great fresh vegetables, better than Whole Foods does. And I had to wait out on the street, you know, six feet apart. They have it marked in the sidewalk. And two things, you know how you always get shouters. These are people who on the street talk to themselves, but then they shout out at others. So there was a guy standing across the street and he said, you two, you two, six feet, six feet. You're too close. You're too. So he was giving directions. And I, I said, oh, this is fun. This is fun. He's he's providing early morning entertainment. But the other thing, in a storefront across the street, an alteration had been made, and there was this big, almost like billboard, and it was three-minute pizzas. And it was well done. I mean, this was not a slap-it-together. 
and they had taken a section of a store. They had a new front window, and they had sort of like a little cash machine, you know, ATM apparatus, and then they had a slot, and then there was a screen, and you went to the screen, and then you clicked a button, and somebody came on live, and you put in your order, what you wanted on the pizza. They had, you know, about 10 different choices. You put in your credit card. I watched, and somebody did it, and out came the pizza. So I was sitting there watching that, and I said, boy, this is so well done. I bet this isn't the only one. I bet they've just spotlighted high traffic areas where people are waiting on the street and where people are, you know, still walking. And I said, you know, what a neat idea. What a neat idea. I didn't walk over because I couldn't give up my place in line. And then I went to Whole Foods, which is inside a shopping center. There was some stuff I had to get there. So I was 20 minutes in line for one, and then Whole Foods was 30 minutes. And I was just watching people. Everybody was kind of good-humored. And I said, people should really take time out just to remember and be conscious. You'll never see this again in your life. This is just an interesting slice of history, and it's really, really neat just to be observant what's happening. But I have to tell you, I noticed on the hours for Whole Foods that if I had arrived at 9 o'clock, I was there at 10, I could have taken advantage of the fact that I'm a senior. And I've never done that. You know, I'm, I'm 75. You know, movies, I just never. And I said, you know, I'm going to trigger my senior advantage here next week. I'm going to come right. at 9. I said, you know, anything that gets me to the front of the line, I'm going to utilize right now. But it just really, really struck me. That I'm just very, very thankful just to observe this situation. You know, it's a kind of a neat. Yeah, you were present. Yeah, very, very present. Very present. I feel very positive, and the one thing there isn't so much that I'm feeling positive, but that other people feel positive after they've had an encounter with me. So all my emphasis. Can you stop there right now? Because I actually think it's a big deal. Because this idea is so the three P's: present, positive, and productive. But you just talking about how you want people to feel after their interaction with you. I think so few people think about that simple idea. Expand on that for a second. Well, I agree with you and I try to do the same thing, but I think the idea that you're even thinking about, you're thinking about it is fascinating. Yeah, well, in our world, you know, we're entrepreneurs, we're company owners. In my company, I share the leadership with Babs Smith. We're a big deal, you know, in other people's lives. I mean, whether you want to admit it or not, you're the boss, okay, you're the boss. And I said, you know, throughout this period, that's gonna be a good experience for everybody else. First of all, to my utmost, I'm going to inform myself what other people are doing, and I'm going to say, I heard what you did there, and that was really, really great, so they notice that I'm doing it. But the other thing is that most of my interchange with people are projects. It's a Zoom call project, it's a podcast project, it's working on a book project. It's creating a new thinking tool project. And the person who's working on the other side, artist, writer, sound technician in the tech department and everything else, as far as that part of their experience that day that included Dan, that was a positive experience. So I'm, I'm just alert all day that I have some opportunities to be positive with them, you know. And I'm much more conscious of it now than I am during normal times because, you know, they may be having a lot of things negative in their personal life, and I don't know that, or, you know, things are frustrating them. But 
When they add up positive and negative at the end of the day, I'm on the positive side of the ledger as far as their experience goes. Yeah. I mean, it's the batteries included, batteries not included, but it's the notion that you're acknowledging that there's a lot of batteries not included news. There's a lot of batteries not included people. There's a lot of batteries not included things going on, concerns. And so you can rest assured that it's all not terrific these days in people's lives 24-7. So your choice to be one of the positive charges is really impactful. And I feel it having interacted with you over the last three or four weeks, both on our free zone calls and the workshop last week and things like that. I try to emulate that as well in my world. I want to touch on the third P, productivity and being productive. So, you know, I've always thought about freedom of time, money, relationships, and purpose as a gift and also a choice. But your choice of thinking in terms of just a 24-hour period versus a month or a quarter or even a year. Can you talk about your thinking around being productive every day? And I know you've always had a strategy around making sure you're productive every day, even if it's being done by 11 o'clock, so to speak, with what your priorities were. But what does it mean to be productive every day for you in these times? Yeah, well, I think in an earlier strategy, I go deeper in it in my podcast. So this would be number six. The word future and past are really interesting concepts. The reason is because nobody's actually had any experience of being in either one of them. We talk about the future as if it's a place, but when we actually get to the point in the future, it looks a lot like the present. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> the only thing we actually do experience in life is the present. We do have ideas which are called future. We do have ideas that are called past, but they're abstractions. They're structures that we've created inside of our brain to deal with time. You know, it's like we learn how to deal with distance and we learn how to deal with time. So what I do is I've got a place in the future, and we talked about this. I've actually created a thinking tool called the first hundred days that when things become normal again in the sense that people can congregate and they can mingle, it'll be a different normal, but it's normal in the sense that the social distancing rules aren't there. I have a place that's called the first hundred days. Once we get the all clear signal to return to work where people are in the office and they can meet personally and they can go to restaurants and they can do everything else. I'm getting everyone to focus just on the first hundred days. There's day number one when we can do it, day before we couldn't. So that's day one, first hundred days. And every thought I have about the future goes into a box called the first hundred days. And my goal is for our whole company that the first hundred days after scary times this particular scary times is the single most productive and profitable 100 day period in the history of the company. So we're all operating at a very high level right now during the scary times, but when everything's available to us, we're gonna operate at even higher productivity and profitability. What I find is that that really focuses people's attention. It's not the future, it's the first 100 days. So I've given a name to the future, and it's got a beginning and it's got an end. Day one, day two. Are you thinking about it like a parking lot of dream and aspirational things that you could focus on today? Very good term. Yeah, that's a very good term. It's a parking lot. Okay. But it has some dimensions to it. It's not forever. It's three months plus a 10-day bonus, you know, so you get a little extra on it. 
And I found that people have been very responsive to that. And you can't do everything during the first 100 yeah. days, so you got to prioritize. But that's a good use of the idea of the future. And I think there's going to be some noticeable changes publicly in the realm of politics and the realm of business publicly that a lot of stuff, which I always thought was sort of pie in the sky stuff, you know, about this changing and this changing and everything else. I think people are going to get more specific. I think they're going to get more realistic. They've had good experience of certain available tools being more useful than they thought. And I think there's going to be kind of a maximizing period that the public goes into where we complain less, we criticize less, we're more polite, we're more thankful, we're more productive, we're more profitable. I think that's going to happen. I love that. So if you have a parking lot for the future things to go, how do you think about each 24-hour period? So it's a nice way of thinking about this notion of if an idea comes to mind, it might not be for today, it might be for the first 100 days. What are you doing to set up your days for success? First of all, my schedule, and I'm sure you've found this for yourself, Stephen, my schedule is actually a lot more regular being cooped up than it ever was (laughs) when you had the whole city at your disposal. So, you know, I've really slept better. I mean, I've eight is the minimum. I've gone eight and a half hours of sleep. I've always been a sleeper and I sleep and I dream. So I don't have a problem. And then I get up and then my main exercise period is immediately after I give up and I have a number. It's determined by heart rate monitor and calculator on the computer. There's a thousand calories burned of exercise. And once I cross a thousand, then my exercise is, if I get more exercise, it's a bonus, but that's what I get in. And that's before I've eaten anything. So I do that before eating. And then I eat. And at eight o'clock every morning, Toronto time, I have a session with Hamish McDonald, who's my cartoonist. So we're working on the book. And every day he gets a lot done. One of the things that's really important for morale, Steve, is that you have a feeling that really solid, productive work is getting done every day. You know, that we were here yesterday and we're here today. And I think that's morale, momentum, and motivation. I think it's very, very important to have tangible proof that you're not just spinning your wheels. Yeah. So I mean, you're your, an activator. I mean, not doing something drives you crazier than it drives me. I'm good with my five days. You know, I'm, I've treated weekends like vacations for 20 years since you introduced, and I was able to get my head around the free day, focus day, buffer day time system. So I have really good with that during the week. And I actually am able to do the opposite on weekends and chill out and watch movies and hang with the kids and the family. But I'm interested in going back to one thing on your success of a day, a work day or a focus day, I should say, because I'm sure you're able to differentiate still your focus day and buffer day. Yeah. But what's a successful day? I mean, I choose three things to call my day successful. I actually wrote down the three P's on my daily worksheet now, I've kind of created a little bit of a hybrid of a worksheet with not only the three P's listed because of how important each day is now to remember to be present, positive, and productive. But I also love this notion that you're taking each day apart between what worked and what didn't work. And it's not just a positive focus at the end of the day, but it's also an improvement, even if it's slight, on each subsequent day. So how are you thinking about your days differently related to structure around that? 
in coach, we have a thing called the experience transformer. And then we have a mini version like we do the impact filter. There's a big impact filter and there's a mini version of the impact filter. So I really use these tools a lot and they're right on my desktop and I can do them. And it's really, really interesting that when you become very tool specific, in other words, you're using it every day, you're using it on different projects. But the Experience Transformer, it was just a file maker tool that my team actually created for me. So it looks like the actual form, but it's just the file maker technology. So what I do is I say these five things, and usually some of them were known at the beginning of the day, but things popped up during the end of the day, or I had an insight or something unusual happened. But I put five things down that were measurably productive, you know, that this was very good, real progress was made. I do that at the end of the day. And then I also say... And that could be a meeting, a call. Yeah, us finishing this off is a big deal because I wouldn't have wanted the 9 and 10 not to be, you know, that we never went back and got it. So this is a big deal. So what you and I are doing right now will be one of my five tonight when I look at it. And then, you know, we got into an incredible discussion in my Zoom call with four Free Zone people about how if you have been local before scary times, afterwards you're going to be national. If you were national before scary times, after scary times you're going to be global that everybody's going to up their game by a jump. This is like a power mm-hmm. of 10, each of them has a power of 10. We had Ninad Turpis, who's from Mumbai, and he's a big deal in India. Like, India has 28 states, and he's got representation in all 28 states. And he said, you know, it's really interesting. He said, before scary times, I was thinking about taking what we learned about India and how we can operate in India, which is now the biggest population country. It's about 1.4. China's starting to lose population. They reached peak population seven years ago. So China's starting to lose population, but India is continuing to add population. And he said, I was thinking about going Middle East, Northern Africa, you know, and everything. And he says, now it's maximize what you have in India, and become a magnet for other people to bring their stuff to India and then make the connections with the United States. Mm -hmm. He said, my whole future, it's India and the United States, and India is a magnet on our side of the world, and the United States is the magnet on the other side of the world. So he said, that's completely changed my views. How are you doing it? It's really interesting to talk about it, but all the three, Tony Caldwell, who operates in five states, Chip Mock operates in about 10 states, and Steve Kreitzberg operates in about four states. All of them said, you know, we're probably going to go to 20 states, 25 states after this, you know. The other thing uh, Steve Kreitzberg said, you know, he says, what I'm seeing about FreeZone, because he's only been, you know, to one workshop, and that was last week. (laughs) And he said, it's the only place where you can have unlimited ambition. And not be judged. Well, not actually be encouraged. Yeah. Well, yeah. not even judged, but encouraged and supported and, you know, told. I'm reading this great book on envy written by a German in the 1960s by the name of Helmut Scheck. 
and I'm on my fourth reading. I don't usually reread books, but this one, that envy, there's two sides to envy. One of the side to envy is that you're envious, okay? And envy doesn't mean that you want what someone else has. Envy means that you want them to lose it, okay? So jealous is wanting what someone else has, but envy is malign, it's malignant, you know, it's a malicious kind of thing. And then there's the avoidance of envy, that you never let people know what you're planning, what you're dreaming, how you're succeeding, because you don't want to have people who are envious to wish bad thoughts about you. And what I'm feeling is that the free zone, we're going right up the middle between these two things happening in society, that we're not envious of the other free zoners. Not only that, but we're happy to tell the other free zoners our success because they'll get value from our telling them how we're succeeding and I'll get value. Yeah. yeah. So it's very, very interesting. I'm just obsessed with this book. Repeat the book name again. I want to put it in the, show, put in the show notes. E-N-V-Y. Yeah. You know, it's just that. And it's mainly about the sociology. And he said that envy is how societies actually keep things in balance either being envious, but it's not a good thing. To be envious is not a good thing, but, you know, we all have the capacity for it. And the other thing is not wanting to be the object of other people's envy. And the author's name is Helmut, H-E-L-M-U-T, Check. Yep, I see it now. We'll put it in here. It was translated in 1970, uh, yeah. written in 66 and translated in 70. This is great. I want to be mindful of time. And yeah, yeah. Well, oh, this was fun. Yeah, this was great. As a kind of wrap up with a little bow of these 10 strategies, you know, I can tell you they've been almost an anchor for me to be thinking about and even filtering people and thoughts and strategies that we have. It's almost more valuable than it was the first time it was taken hold of what I was thinking in 2001. And now, again, I think has such an important, meaningful part of what we're seeing as the future. And so I appreciate it. Once again, you putting these out, we're going to put a link to download these scared times manual that this is based off of. I love the perspective, Dan, that you give on not just what they mean, but kind of what they mean today and how they play. What's your biggest insight from really the last four weeks of kind of digging deeper, not just with me, but with the others who've been having conversations about this with you? Well, I'll tell you what I told the other free zone entrepreneurs an hour before we came on, I said, I'm really happy and proud of how prepared I was psychologically, emotionally, to play a really good role during this period of time. And I think that the opportunity to go back over the scary times was just a really good checklist of skills that I've really developed since I wrote the first three or four pages back in 2001. So I'm a really kind of solid dude. (laughs) I'm playing a really great role right now. I'm doing really good work. And, you know, when the new normal comes and we're able to maximize all our learning and maximize all of our improvements, I feel really terrific. You know, it's all gain and no gap. I just measuring where I was and where I am now Uh, I'm not measuring, again, some sort of ideal of who I should have been during this period of time. I'm not thinking that way at all. So I think that's the biggest thing. 
I couldn't agree more to confirm how you're feeling about the role you play literally with your words and your sharing so much, but these strategies and how big of a role they play in so many people's lives. And we're helping spread that and obviously put that into action. So thank you, Dan. Always okay. love spending the time. It goes way too fast, but we'll speak soon and stay safe and healthy and hi to Babs. Okay. And go into the next room and give Rebecca a hug from me. <laughs> I will. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.